welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for July 21st, 2022. Weather events continue to capture the headlines as Europe and the southern states in the U.S. are suffering through an unprecedented heat wave this month. The National Weather Service's Climate Prediction Center recently estimated that there is a 66% chance that La Nina conditions will prevail in the Northern Hemisphere until at least the end of 2022, which would mark the third straight year of this weather pattern. Here today to share more about these major weather events and their economic impact is Nationwide's economist, Scott Murray. Hello, Scott. How are you today? Great, Brian. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for joining us. And just so everyone understands, what is La Nina and how might it play out in 2022? Great, great question. Uh, hearing a lot of those uh, questions about the weather these days. So, and I want to mention first, uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. La Nina means little girl. It's the cooling of the equator in the Pacific. What that does is it's an anomaly, and they actually call it an isolation. That means that the storm track that's normally flows into the California region is actually transported to the north. And what sets up is a blocking high over near Washington that pushes the storms over the top. Uh, The low pressure doesn't like high pressure and it avoids it as much as possible. And so it goes over the top uh, of it and then shoots down the Rockies, hitting the Gulf Coast region, and then, of course, coming up the uh, Atlantic seaboard on that. So that is the typical track that we see at this time of year. You mentioned that it's the third, it's a three-peat. It's the first time we've had a three-peat since 1950. So it is odd that these oscillations continue long. We would normally expect this time of the year to the effect to go more neutral or then shift uh, to a warmer Pacific. Okay. And just a moment ago, you also mentioned the movement and how it affects the Atlantic. So going across the pond then, how does this development tie into the recent record temperatures we've seen in Europe? It's a kind of a loose association. We generally in La Nina see more Atlantic hurricane activities. That's because there's a Bermuda high that gets established. Storms are pushed up the Atlantic seaboard. The high, high moves clockwise in its circulation. And so it pushes the low around the clock dial. And we normally see the storms then as they make it their way across the Northern Atlantic, hitting England coming in from the West. This one was a little different in the sense that the storm, uh, uh, tropical storm Alex, the first one we had, actually went the other way and moved up the coast. If you remember your history, uh, the trade winds uh, were notorious for the opening of the Atlantic, meaning that if you started in London, you would generally be pushed south by the wind. And then, of course, across to the Caribbean and then up the Atlantic seaboard. Here, what happened is Alex moved up. Now, I mentioned how highs are clockwise, lows are counterclockwise. And so you have this low moving up the eastern side of the Atlantic. And what happens then is it pushes the hot air from uh, Africa 
over France and then up to England. So the fact that we had a, a significant early storm, that's consistent with La Nina and that it kind of voided Bermuda, that's consistent, but this one was a little odd that it went the other way. You mentioned hurricanes. I know we're going to talk more about that here. I've got some questions to ask you about that here later in this podcast. Sure. Um, a lot of moisture can come from hurricanes. Now, how might La Nina impact drought conditions? Yeah, it's really kind of a, a, a you know, different parts of the country get different effects here. And the effects are now magnified that it's into the third year. I'm sitting, joining you today uh, from Estes Park in Colorado. I'm feeling actually a Chinook wind that comes down from me. As I mentioned, we have the high blocking, so the storms go over and down the Rockies, and the Chinook wind is actually a dry wind. As air falls, it warms up, and so that's why Death Valley is very warm because air is falling to the low level of that. So that's pushing a dry wind and that dry wind then is pushed down the Rockies into the Texas, into the Gulf area. So we typically see the Southern part of the United States in drought conditions during an extended La Nina pattern. Now, as those winds hit the Gulf, if they get then pushed up the Atlantic, and that's where the hurricane and the storm uh, elements work, particularly with Cape Hatteras being a area for nor'easters. A hurricane is really a nor'easter. It's just different time of year. But we should add that the Caribbean, of course, being warm as it is, uh, is actually going to be more fertile because we are not going to have a blocking wind, that meaning a wind that's going from west to east in the Caribbean, it's actually going to flow east to west, and that's going to actually create more storms in the Atlantic Basin and, of course, the Gulf of Mexico. So that's sort of the fact that parts of the southern part of the United States gets drought, but there is a likelihood a little bit more storms to sort of quench that thirst. Thank you, Scott. I know a lot of people, when they hear La Nina, they know about it. They know that it does have broad uh, meteorological, environmental impacts. But, you know, you're an economist, so let's focus on the economy uh, and the impact from La Nina here. This is all coming as uh, consumer price inflation rate has already risen to its highest level in more than four decades. So how might La Nina influence commodity prices and inflation more broadly? Yeah, and I think one of the things you can look at right now is, again, going on that theme of the three-peat, we see the Hoover Dam being quite low. Remember that Hoover Dam and the Colorado River Basin fuels a lot of the water for the Central Valley, where we get a lot of fruits and vegetables. We've also had very low snowpack. So what you're seeing is a direct translation of arid conditions translating into trouble growing seasons, then going to the consumer's wallet at the grocery store. So the connection, particularly now that it's extended into three years, has been uh, is quite uh, remote. So it's not just the mob mobsters in, in, in Las Vegas that are worried about La Nina. It should be the consumers uh, at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. That's true. Now, how do you think the Fed could respond to these trends? 
Yeah, I mean, I think definitely the heightened concerns about inflation is going to be out there, and it's going to be a little bit more prevalent uh, because of the uh, effects on the grocery store. Now, we have to remember last year was La Nina year. We had struggles with the crops in North Dakota and South Dakota, but Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio came through like champs. And if you actually see the cornfields in Ohio right now, you get a sense that it'll kind of mitigate a little bit into that area. Now, having been elevated in uh, inflation, particularly as the energy uh, uh, complex continues to be problematic, the food concerns just add fuel to the fire. And I think that will make the Fed very cautious and eager to uh, try to, to tame uh, those, uh, the animal spirits of inflation. Now, earlier in this podcast, you mentioned tropical storms and hurricanes. And we know that hurricane season actually started just last month. Um, what are the prospects for this year's hurricane season? Yeah, it looks like it's going to be an above average, which we've seen recently in terms of, uh, of uh, activity, particularly because of La Nina. It's important. Hurricane activity does not correlate directly to economic losses. They're narrow storms. Typically, they'll hit a, a part of the country. Now, they may hit an area that's particularly vulnerable. If you started walking today uh, at the, uh, the Gulf Coast, starting in Texas, and you walked all the way around the Gulf Coast on you know, the coastline, and you walked all the way up the Atlantic seaboard, the first time you would see a hill as you're standing on the shore that's more than 500 feet would be up in the Catskills in New York. So if you have a storm, a more active storm, that comes up the coast and then veers into, as we've seen before with Sandy, that can be quite devastating uh, to an area. Similarly, we saw that with Katrina. Those are what we call right corners uh, in the meteorological terms, because again, as I mentioned, uh, uh, hurricanes are cyclones and they're flowing counterclockwise so that all that water gets poured in from the uh, right to the left. And so those make different parts of the country more vulnerable. However, we should say that the impacts are generally localized and are a temporary postponement of consumption uh, that usually comes back in a period or two. There may be, given the significance of the storm, some uh, rebuilding that needs to be done. But in general, much more worrisome storms are, are straight line winds and tornadoes because they really catch people by, by su surprise. And those are ones we actually economically look more to have more concerns about than hurricanes. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because obviously major weather events like these we're talking about, you know, heat waves, hurricanes, droughts, things like that, they have a broad impact. Um, from your perspective as an economist, how do major weather events like, the, like these impact the economy? Yeah, the, the immediate impact is usually a postponement. We saw that with Harvey, right? Harvey dumped an immense amount of rain on uh, the Houston area. No one had car issues. They couldn't find cars. They couldn't, you know, the cars were underwater, more or less. And so we saw a huge dip in auto sales. 
Now, auto sales did come back. And actually, we may have had a little bit of a pull forward because people who were waiting a year or two to replace car had to, to, to do that. So it's really more of a timing effect than a adjust than a permanent impact to the economy. So that's what I try to note to people as they see the storms coming is that, yes, they can create incredible catastrophes and human loss. And we shouldn't uh, uh, forget those those impacts. But the, the economy is sort of resilient and it sort of works its way back over time. Well, thank you for sharing your perspective today, Scott. We're going to end it right there on today's podcast. This has been very enlightening. So thanks so much for your input today. Great. It was a pleasure being with you today, Brian. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022 nationwide.